and we can't keep it on the DL. Hello and welcome to our very first ever episode of Can't Keep It on the DL. We are interviewing Daniel Drew, who is a relationship and trauma expert, and this interview is absolutely amazing. I will not have this long intro, but know that he is incredible and we loved this interview. We are so excited for you guys to listen without further ado. Like that's how we found you, which is why like it sounds so silly, but we love TikTok for that exact reason. Like we have met so many like relationship coaches, sex coaches, like individual personal development coaches through that platform. And it's like, even just watching your videos, it's like, we want to know more. We want to hear more about your story and kind of how you came into this career. No, thank you for, for having me on. Like, obviously like it's very humbling because you don't think anyone notices. I know it's like a number in the corner of a, of a TikTok screen and you're supposed to be like, Oh, these are all real humans. But you know, it just seems more like video games sometimes where you're just like, Oh yeah. Like, but, but to actually have people like know or like know what your content is, is actually very surprising. So mm-hmm. it is very cool for that reason. And so just thank you for having me on. Um, so I, so I think, I think what you're asking is like, why, why am I doing what I do and how did I, how did I get here kind of thing? Yeah. I feel like that's one of those like bridging gaps that we just yeah. haven't gotten to yet. Like we yeah. see your content, we see what you do. We see how yeah. like, I, even she was just saying like, she's excited to like hear more about you and your wife and how that's progressed over the years and how you've learned, but like, what made you start all of this? Yeah. So what made me start all of it is I, it's, it is kind of a weird thing because um, I'll say this in my, in my life, I think I had a lot of limiting beliefs and ideologies um, ideologies that really kind of restricted me in how to think and how to feel about life. And in, inside of these ideologies, right? Like I'll just, I'll just kind of throw out a couple of examples. Anytime you use the word should is a, is a, is a, is a force word. It's you're saying there is a way and this is the way it ought to be, or I ought to, to live by. So like, for example, relationships, when you're saying, well, like he should be doing this or she should be doing this or they, or whatever, um, all of a sudden now we're assigning some sort of, you know, imaginary standard that we, we maybe as a culture just developed or, you know, popular culture movies just tell us like, this is what we should do. And then we talk to our friends and it's like, well, I think this, and like, you should, you deserve this. And all of a sudden now we're just like, we're appealing to some sort of imaginary, you know, standard. And so for me, I think, you know, I, I lived a majority of my life, um, actually rejecting dating entirely because I, I had abided by a belief system um, through people that I admired who told me that I shouldn't date because it would actually create this larger payoff in marriage. And for me, part of my life was my parents divorced when I was 10 years old. And that was a pretty defining moment and season of my life where, you know, I, I, it was painful. Like I was already feeling maybe some disconnection just in general within myself by that age, you know, and I, and I had to go to the old therapist's office to figure that one out, as we do. And in that, I, I learned that um, that that event became the great disconnection. I was already feeling disconnection, but that became the great disconnection. And from there, it was like, what was I looking for? I was looking to be known, seen, loved. And so kind of rejecting dating and trying to like a, a message I needed to reaffirm in myself was like, I was this really good guy. And so the, the kind of imaginary payoff I constructed in my mind was if I'm a really good guy, some girl in the future is I'm going to give the gift of myself, quote unquote, right? Like kind of this hero syndrome or knight in shining, shining armor. And when I do this, she's going to see all of it and be so grateful for, you know, all these things, you know, this guy I, I am or work towards and only for the, the, to be the opposite case, you know, once I really finally met my wife and then I, you know, me and her, we've you know, really dissected this, I betrayed myself for a couple of years, like really trying to win her because it was going to say something about me. And then we had to do some really hard work where, you know, I, I felt like I started off being traumatized and then I traumatized her and then, you know, she traumatized me. And then, and then there was like some major traumas I, I gave to her. So I think for me, it's, 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 it's something that I didn't ever intend to end up like helping with like quote unquote trauma healing or uh, trauma informed coaching or relationship coaching. It's just happened to be the pain point in my life that I've learned and has taught me the most. That's why I'm here. Wow. That's awesome. That's <laughs> really incredible. Even like that idea of being like good, 
like being a good guy. And I know we talk so much about the idea of perfectionism. And I feel yeah. like that's one of those themes that a lot of people think it's like, oh, like subconsciously, I believe that I'm not ready, meaning I'm not worthy right now as the person that I am versus maybe in 10 months or maybe in 10 years, I'll finally be this like whole ha healthy, complete, great person that that version would want to date. Well, you mentioned that you talked about perfectionism between the two of you. Is that something that you both are challenged by in your lives? I feel like for both of us, like we both talk about relationships. I mean, we don't ever stop talking. So we're always talking about different okay. things. And I think for me, I definitely struggled with that in the past. It was like an inner child wound for me too. Mm. Um, so it's cool to hear you say that that's something that you struggled with because I feel like a lot of people feel they have to be this perfect person for the other person. Whereas it should be like a duality, you know, where you guys like add to each other. Yeah. And, and the, and the worst part of it is marriage or like long-term partnership, you, you will rub up against tons of imperfection shame. I mean, they are a mirror. They're a mirror of all of your failings. And I don't care how much therapy we do. Um, you know, we're going to show up with a lot of messages and baggages, you know, expectations, all that stuff. Right. Um, but, but here's another harsh reality that, that, that is hard. And I think this, this, this was a pain point for me in marriage, you know, and you, you see all those, you know, TikTok couples or YouTube couples <laughs> the whole time. And like, we, we know that nothing's as, as good as it seems, but what we can say is, is like, like, I love John Gottman because he, he's like a major researcher in this area, in this field where he just observed people and then, you know, put it into scientific studies and, you know, peer reviewed art articles. But like, there are people who happen to align with with their partner in such a way where like conflict is less. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's so hard is you can't know. Like you, we can do our best to like find someone who like matches or is our twin flame or whatever. But to but to just to to like there's no certainty, and I think everything is just a, a best guess. If again, if if that's what we're looking for, I'm not saying everyone's looking for one you know monogamous relationship for the rest of their life. What I'm saying is just to feel that sense of security is what we're all longing for. So inevitably, even in, even in the happiest marriages, like for example, here's one stat, in the happiest marriages, there's a pattern, and I'm only speaking to heterosexual relationships, where um, you know women will bring up conflict 80% of the time in these, in these like John Gottman, who's a, again, he did the research, 80% of the time. And why, what is that all about? Like are men really that incapable of bringing things up and being proactive? And, and what's that, what's the real explanation to that? You know, everything has a reason. So I guess what I'm saying is, is like, when it comes to these relationships, I think, I think that perfectionism, like we, we view people who have really good chemistry and we think that that is what's normal or the standard when like, that is actually like, it can happen. I'm not, you know, I mean, but, but even in that, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of tension in that. Yeah. And I like what you said too. It's like, you're, you're going to pick the best person for you. You're going to do your best at picking the best person, but that's still subjective. How much conflict you have, that's subjective to your experiences. And then what you've seen, like, it sounds so, so ridiculous, but her and I are like ridiculously close. Like we work together. We go to the gym together. We have the same friends. Like we travel together. Like it's hysterical, which is why we're doing this. Cause <laughs> throughout all of those themes in our lives we actually don't stop talking like that's why we're here that's why we started this podcast it's literally yeah. why we started it and her and I explain it like because we've spent so much time together we have such a close relationship that we really do treat it like it would be a romantic relationship like oh, yeah. we have those hard conversations of like what do I do that hurts your feelings? What do I do that upsets you? When I have a conversation with you and when you have a conversation with me, when we're working something out, like how can I be a better friend? How can I be more respectful? How can I be more supportive? And it's like, those are probably more of like the things that I think we should lean towards in romantic relationships that we're probably not taught. Like yeah. where I know her and I, we were like, we're just figuring it out. Like yeah. we don't know, but we want to be good friends and then <laughs> We also want to be good girlfriends to our partners. So it's like, you literally do your best. That's astounding that you guys actually have that relationship. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, and we talked about this the other day. We we're kind of like, this is setting us, ourselves up for so much success with relationships because you do all the hard parts. Like, it's hard to open up and be vulnerable and kind of say, 
the way that you're responding to this isn't how I would respond to this, but it's almost like a love language. It's like, my love language is physical touch and you give that to someone else, but it's not their love language. They're not going to feel the same appreciation that you would. So you kind of have to like meet them in the middle. And that's literally what we do in a friendship. So so it's kind of cool. (laughs) Is there as much expectation do you think in friendship? Like, well, between you, like, like you guys would meet each other and be like, I'm really expecting a lot out of you. Yeah, I think well, we've been friends forever and we've always been good friends and we've always been good people to one another. I just think that as we got older and we got into personal development, we saw those conversations happening in like romantic relationships and therapy and just personal development in general. And we're like, we're gonna go through conflict. Like Mm -hmm. her and I get along more than just about anybody I know like we really can do so much stuff together and just have a good time which is where like you know we always say our relationships with other people romantic relationships you would want it to be somebody that you're really close with somebody that you have a lot of fun with but at the end of the day there's still going to be things that you disagree on and I think that most friendships probably just sweep it under the rug never talk about it and then one and or both people have resentment going forward. Yo, guilty. Just yeah. Like, You're like, yeah. me next time. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but like friendships, like I, that's why I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I just feel like whenever I see friendships, they, they like, they have a three-year life cycle or like a two-year, like something happens or like people just grow apart and like, that's just not a thing people do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe that's just my short, my, no, my but I, I kind of agree with that. And I, you know what I think it is? It's like, we've figured out a big thing for the two of us is respect. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have initial respect for anyone in your life, it's going to fade. Like whether it's a relationship, a friendship, but you have to have that respect, whether that grows or builds, but I think it's kind of an initial respect. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to get your take on that, like with relationships, like when it comes to relationships with respect, it's like, do you think that's something that it's just innate? Like the second you meet them, it's like, and get to know them, you kind of respect them. Or do you think that's something you grow into? That's a great, that's a great question. You know, I, I would say what, I, and this is just, again, I, you know, I'm some guy saying some, something. Um, I, I mean, I guess for me, I think there's two things that can happen. I think, I think some people who maybe are, have more partners or done more research, they get to know a little bit of what they do and don't like. And so they find someone who they just need to know that they can respect. And so they respect them, right? That can happen. There's a lot of different ways this can go. But I think there's one really tricky scenario that, that does pop up for me or come up for me. And that is when, and I, I can speak to like the male end, but, but men can get really blinded by the presentation of what a, like what a woman has presented herself to be. Like men will just be so, like I'm not, I'm not talking about aesthetic, I'm just talking about personality, like humor. Like men will think a, a girl is funnier, maybe than he actually, than, than his reality, just because he wants that, he wants to believe it. And, and I think this, this, that obviously that goes both ways. So when, he, when we talk about respect, I think there can be things where, where we see someone we're really drawn into. It can be their personality, some aspect of them, their achievement levels, and we respect that. And then there's actually a thing that's called a fatal attraction. The very thing that you are drawn to or respect the most is the thing that now drives you the, the craziest. Um, and I, I, I'm, and so, so I guess for me, there, there's a level where I think we can tell stories to ourselves and actually deceive ourselves because we are really just looking for our own personal affirmation. And so we like, um, we, we tell ourselves that's really cool and honorable, but if that was in a best friend or in just a casual acquaintance, we wouldn't maybe respect that, you know, those parts of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think there, there are some natural things because again, that's just the way, like, it's just reality. Like, yeah, you can totally naturally respect somebody and, and, and do that. But I think there can be some, some, some messiness there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, For sure. yeah. Do you work with mostly men or do you work with mostly couples or like kind of a combination of the two? Um, like in, in the line of work um, I've done for quite a few years, um, it's, it's across the map. I would say TikTok, I generate a female audience, like 90%. I mean, I think like that we see a lot of that with certain you know, ways things are on TikTok. Um, but yeah, I, I would say right now it's, um, 
yeah, it's it's I'm I'm getting a lot of couples, and then it kind of turns into to one to like one or the other. Um, yeah, it's so it's both. Interesting. And yeah. what is like usually like when you really break it all down, like whatever like the presenting concern is when you break it all down, like what do you see is like the biggest problem when it comes to couples in a relationship? You know what I, <laughs> I mean, for me, it's, it really is like, if we'll be honest, it's expectations, right? Like, like the idea that I expect you to fulfill needs in me, you mm -hmm. need to perform for me. You need to perform safety for me. And it's not a bad thing. It's just what we all do. And the reason is because we need to safely attach to another person. You know, they've done studies like John Bowlby and Dr. Sue Johnson, one of my favorite book, Ruin My Life, is called uh, Hold Me Tight. And the, the whole premise is, is that humans need emotional attachment to a, a, a partner the way we need food, water, and shelter. Like that emotional food is so extremely important. Like they even did a little study with like, baby monkeys and the monkeys were more willing to go to a fake stuffed animal mom who did not dispense food versus a wired dispensing, you know, food mother of, a, but, you know, going to show that like, like even animals will reject food for comfort. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so like when we, when we like, you know, especially the teenagers, we just break them over the coals. Like this is, oh, trust me, you're not going to think about this in 10 to 20 years. When you're a teenager and your hormones are raging, like it is the end of the world. It only matters when it matters to you. I think yeah. generations of people just shaming young people or like teen, preteen teenagers acting like they shouldn't care when it's like they're fighting for their survival. Because guess what? Those same parents are doing that in their marriages, right? Yeah. Fighting for their lives. And so for me, the biggest thing that I feel like, and this isn't my thought, it's, it's, it's again, this um, emotions focused therapy idea of like every fight is about emotional safety and security. Like you're mm -hmm. about the fact that someone else, you do not feel safe around them. Yeah. You're fighting about the tone that they use. You're fighting that I might lose this over time that you're not going to respect me. And so this conversation about me taking the garbage out is you not respecting my needs and then you blowing me off. That's what we're really fighting about is like, do you, do I matter to you? Do, do my needs matter to you? Because if not, then my safety with you is threatened. And so there, yeah, that's, that's what I encounter is just like two people. And then what happens is that creates a ton of trauma because then people are saying things they don't really mean to each other, wounding them. And there's a bit of wounding them or because they don't have safety to actually be intimate and say really hard things like, you know, honey, I, um, you know, I, I kind of have a regret that we maybe started this thing too early. We moved along too fast. Like instead of vocalizing that and creating that safety of like, Hey, this feeling is allowed. And in this relationship, yeah. pull it up. And then, and then we don't feel known. And so then when we don't feel known or loved or accepted, we cope with other strategies. You know, we cope with yeah. following other people online or DMing other people online because some love is better than no love. And so that's where like, then these traumas get introduced and it's all because we didn't know how to fight for safety. We didn't know how to make everything become allowed in a relationship. So yeah. I think that's for me is like, and that, that was my journey is like having to deconstruct the idea that some things are allowed to talk about and other things aren't. Mm -hmm. Whether we like it or not, or agree with it or not, according to our ideology or the way things should or ought to be, we feel things. Mm -hmm. Things exist in us that we have to share. And I love that you talked about expectations because before you can even like bring that conversation to somebody else with the idea of like reprimanding them and be like, why didn't you do this? Or yeah. why did you do this in this way? Did you even communicate that expectation mm -hmm. prior to the event? Like yeah. that alone was mind blowing for me in my journey. Cause yeah. I feel like movies and society and just general belief, it's romantic for this person to understand your needs without ever bringing them up. And you kind of have to sit there and question that for a second. Cause you're like, they might, it's just like the love languages. Like mm -hmm. you're saying, she's like, if I give physical touch, but that means nothing to someone else, they might not feel loved or supported or comforted right. in their time of need. Just like if you like, what do you want when you're sad? What do you want when you're happy? What do you want to do? Like how, how much does your birthday matter? How much does Christmas matter? How much mm -hmm. does doing something out of the blue or date night or whatever? Like 
if you don't know the expectation and we're two different human beings with different experiences, different relationships, like how can I assume that you know what I need and how can you assume that you know what I need? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I, it's in the, in the communication piece and in the expectation piece too, that I found so tough as a dance is the idea that I don't know what's my job to heal and what's their job to supplement healing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. What, what, like, right. And this is, this is by far the biggest thing I see in my comment section of my videos. Poor women, women who are on the other end of a, of a man who is not emotionally available or accessible. And for the man, you know, what's going on there? Does he have the tools? Is he hiding in shame? I've been that man. I know what that man feels. And as, as much as I've, again, my story tried to be the good guy who was different. I, I still fell into those tendencies in my life. What's going on there? So, so, so what I see is, is that like, how can I make him listen to me? Right. That's the question. How do I change him? Is this my job to heal? So, so it's the blame game. It's this kind of like, what, what am I responsible to heal from? And like, what is their job to feed me? Because again, it is an attachment relationship, right? Like, we are saying, like, again, I'm not assigning a should, like, hey, you should, you know, but what I'm saying is, um, meaning you you should feed each other in this attachment style. What I am saying is that's the way it plays out because that's how we're biologically wired to do it. So we're going to fall under that programming that's been serving us for hundreds of thousands of years. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess my question to you in this, and just to kind of put it out for our audience to like put, I love to put myself in like the shoes, right? Say that I'm dating someone, right? And the guy is totally closed off and I'm crying and crying and crying to get some type of emotion out of him, right? Which I don't want to be the nagger. I don't want to do that. But what would you recommend in that situation? (laughs) You know, I can hear the comments. I can literally hear my comment section. Can you hear them coming? (laughs) I think very carefully about these things. And so I don't want to be over analytical, but like, do you want me to kind of like set the table a little bit before I set the table? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I, I deeply sigh. I, there's a phrase I love. It's been my mantra. The greatest guard is the greatest thief. If wow. you, if you know, if, if you are a thief and you know every single way to steal something from somebody, you might also be the greatest guardian of things because you know every way to steal. My example is to say, I give a ton of disclaimers because for me, I just, I, my genuine heart is I care for the women or whoever's listening and, you know, so, so when I say I hear the comments, because I've gotten them, is what, you know, as a woman, for example, I am tired. I don't want to have to be the one to have to be responsible for my man's emotional ability to, emotion, you know, open up emotionally, mm-hmm. right? That's the sentiment I also hear a lot. And I have a ton of compassion for that. Yeah, like, what is our job? What's not our job? And for women, it's like, I've been in so many of these relationships. Why, why, like... Now I'm left with a man because again, and unfortunately this is a major problem. Like this, we will encounter this. Even if you have a good guy who's emotionally aware, maybe he's going to fall into this trap. So that's where I'll I'll proceed and say, my answer is, and I'm not a scientist. My answer is, I think the best thing we can do is access vulnerability. Like if, if we have someone who's unable to open up men. So, so let me unpack it this way some some and one explanation for why men struggle with being vulnerable you know there's a sociological thing men don't have friends that open up emotionally the second reason or a a wonder is for men when their blood pressure gets heightened they stay activated longer than women and they also get angrier and whatever this meant you know whether it's evolutionarily in our past um it served men to to do this um to, to stay activated and angry longer and then due to culture and having patriarchal systems, right? Like men stayed activated because they didn't need to calm down because they were just in the power seat for centuries. So for men, it's a, you know, they're, they're a challenge. And as men, I would suggest to other men, we do need to learn how to engage with calming and soothing and opening up and again, entering into this, this, this space. But if you are a woman and you're like, okay, I'm not gonna explain this to my, my boyfriend when he's not opening up, I would say accessing vulnerability is the only thing that we can do to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm going to put myself on the table. 
But here's the thing. When we, when we enter vulnerability, we can't do it trying to elicit something out of someone else. Mm -hmm. Then we're using vulnerability as a performance to get me love. Mm -hmm. Then when we do it, we get, if, if we use vulnerability as a performance, we will get angry if they don't respond. That's, it's, it's like a trick. The only way to be vulnerable is if, is if you do it because you're not trying to get something out of them. You're doing this because you need to be brave. I, I, you need to, you need to, you need to do this just because this is your um, act of bravery to say, I'm here making a bit of connection in the, the most bottom line way I can. And usually it's in that moment where, you know, a man, I, it's that this, this, that this armor of like, whoa, like you went somewhere, you access something in you, you remove the armor and I see you. And when, when, a, when a man, for example, can see like, oh, I see you, it can create that resonance, that aha moment of like, oh my gosh. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that it's, it's always the woman's job, but if I'm a woman and there's, there's anything I can do, it's, mm -hmm. it's that vulnerability. And to be honest, ask for that, that person to, to seek how to confidently engage in their emotions. Like, I think that's such good advice too, for like, not just women, but men as well. It's mm -hmm. like, what is your end goal? And what do you want? If you want an open, authentic, like yeah. vulnerable relationship, it sucks, but you have to show up as that person too. Like mm -hmm. if you've never done it, you do have to put that bit out there. And it doesn't like, it's never always going to be the guy or always going to be the girl. Mm -hmm. Like you have to put that bit out there if that's something that's important to you. Nobody's yeah. going to do that for you. Nobody's going to figure that out for you. And you could have an amazing partner who is super vulnerable, but you still have to stand in that vulnerability too. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, that's, that's a, that's a sad, that's a really sad, unfortunate reality is like, I think, I think men and vulnerability has not been a thing. And I do, if I'm honest, and I, I feel shame because I've been this guy yeah, like we we kind of rob women of vulnerability. And I'm not saying, I don't say this because I'm trying to be the the good guy who's like, like no, I just, I, I want to, I actually say that because I'm like, yeah, women have a, have, have some reason to, to feel sad. But I also say it for men to have compassion on themselves. Mm -hmm. Like if every man, if many men are struggling with this, then, then you are not alone. And maybe you can offer some compassion to like, hey, I'm a part of a bigger, maybe, you know, historical thing going on here like what's going on and how can i make the change and be the difference i want to see but men have to access vulnerability if they want to experience richness like it's just that's what that's what life is is just actually finding emotional connection with each other and, and i feel like it goes like back and forth whether it's guy girl girl whatever the situation is yeah. it's like liv said like showing the vulnerability on both ends like if you're asking for it make sure you're doing it too mm -hmm. and then i feel like once you ask for that it's like when to know to walk away Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you mean when you say like when to know to walk away? Because I feel like if you, you know, like it's almost like the, the nagger, like I've had this situation in like a relationship of mine or I've witnessed it like, you know, with friends, family, things like that. And you see things where it's like the woman becomes a nagger could be the male too, but yeah. I feel like it does happen to the yeah. woman a lot where they're asked and they pride and it would only make the other person just want to do it less. So it's like, but I like how you say ask about vulnerability because I think that's super important. And then it's like, how many times do you ask that question or you try to get real on that level until you're like, okay, then this just isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's again, the next challenge because it's, again, it's like if you keep running into situations like this and it's, it's really tough. But I, I think one of my favorite explanations, I think, of boundaries was kind of the same thing with vulnerability is establishing a boundary of like, is, is, is for you, not for their behavior change. Mm -hmm. If I establish a boundary, or sorry, if I, if I say something to say, hey, either you're going to be vulnerable or I'm leaving, that's, that's an ultimatum in a sense mm -hmm. because what I'm doing is I think I'm establishing a boundary, but I'm actually creating a consequent system so that you change your behavior. Yeah. A boundary says this is what's going to happen no matter what, and I'm not, I don't care whether you change your behavior. I just have to protect me in this. So I, I think that that would be my my advice is just that differentiation and allowing someone to really feel that out um, in their relationship, what feels really good for them and what feels like, hey, I'm I'm going into self-betrayal ter territory. I need to I need to set a boundary. 
That's yeah. so tough to, to know like the difference between a boundary and an ultimatum mm -hmm. and knowing that like the boundary is for you. It's like, if I want to be with a person that's open and vulnerable, then I have to like, I can't allow not open and not vulnerable people into my life. And it's mm -hmm. like, you can only give so much until you're just like, oh, this is a quality that's like a non-negotiable for me. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing you can do. But if the person's like open and willing and they're actively trying, then I feel like that's one of those situations where you're like, okay, great. Like you're trying to heal your stuff. You're trying to progress. Yeah. You're trying to be better. And so am I. Because yeah. I don't think that, at least for most people, I don't think that this stuff comes naturally because most of us weren't taught it. Most of us mm -hmm. have never experienced it and we're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah. But if you also have somebody that's willing to do the work with you, I think that's probably the biggest indicator that, you know, it's worth a shot. It's worth a try. Yes. Yes. And I think you, you said it, it's, it's, does other areas of their life show that they have the capacity to do it? Mm -hmm. Like, have they compiled enough evidence everywhere in their life that, that I feel reasonably good that even though they're not there now, that they care about heading in that direction with me. I think that's, that's the only thing we can do. So, yeah, we need so that. I have a question for the both of you. Okay. Okay. So like when it comes to relationships and, you know, um, what for you, what for you is a pain point that has occurred for you that has left you in a place of feeling helpless in the past? Not to like it probably has to do with like that boundary. Really? And I, yeah. Like I think that I, I'm like a big believer. This is like like I'm a life coach and I do some relationship coaching as well. And people think this is nuts, but I think that like most people probably should break up. And that I know, I know it's like, I know that it's atrocious, but it's what I believe. Like I genuinely yeah. to every fiber of my being, I think that people chose too soon and they chose more out of insecurity and a lack mindset. And they just say, Oh, this person chose me. This is what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. It yeah. should be amazing. Like, do we have those conflicts like we talked about before where it's like we're learning how to respect each other we're learning how to have good communication yeah absolutely but it should be a great fucking pick yeah, it should be really your good. best friend it should be your lover it should be all of these different things and, and each person should make each other better and have so much love and so much respect but I think my biggest pain point at least growing up and you know, choosing people and stuff like that is that need to, well, maybe like fixating more on the desire to change someone than just mm -hmm. looking at them for who they are and being like, yeah, this was great, but this is so not it. Like, couldn't be further from what I want. Like if I wrote a list of the things that I wanted and I looked at somebody, it's, it's either a hell yes or a hell no. It's very black and white to know if that person is on your list. Yeah. And I think for myself, I just, you know, I didn't do the work at that time and I didn't have the words and the skills, but that was definitely my biggest pain point was not walking away from things sooner that mm -hmm. I just had no interest being there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your life with someone like, I really want to enjoy it. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, like I, my, my full body, like, like, yes, with you here is, is like, man, like, like I know, I know some people are like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm really like attracted to them for me. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a, like you, you're going to have a lot of sex with that person. Yeah. Like yeah. you're going to wake up to this person every day. Yeah. You like, probably want that. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't want to rob them or you of like having a question mark in a pretty significant area of like mm -hmm. what, like, you know what I'm saying? Like life is a really long time and there's going to be major failures. Like we, like we get it, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm more like, you know, for all that, you know, I, I didn't date a lot. For me, it's like I chose my wife because she fit a very narrow criteria for me. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's oh. awesome. Most people don't have that though. Like, mm -hmm. I think you're so right. Like, I mean, if you're having sex with this person for the rest of your life, yeah. you better be attracted to them. And yeah. those are also things that you can like, that attraction, things like that can change over time. But do you have initial base level attraction to this person? Mm -hmm. It is essential. Also, I think would you be friends with this person regardless of your relationship? Because that shows, do you guys have fun together? Do you enjoy, like, do you enjoy going out and seeing the world and also just kind of recreation like at home? 
But then there's also, do you think that this is a good person? Is this somebody that would be a good and loyal, honest friend? Like that is huge. If you don't have some of those base level things, it's like, what are you doing with this person? Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Thanks for sharing that, Liv. Yeah. Dre, what about you? Kind of going off of Liv's, I think mine's very similar in the sense of before when I've dated in the past and things like that, it's more along the lines of trusting yourself when to leave. And I think it's the same as like the boundary because before I would try to do the same thing. I would struggle so hard to try to make something work or, you know, like you have this idea in your head that this is the right person, right? Like this is supposed to work. Like if we put the right work, but I don't think if you have the initial foundations, the respect, and then if you don't have trust in yourself, it will never work. So I think now, you know, like I, I trust myself intuitively enough where you just, when it gets to a point, you trust yourself enough, no matter what happens in the relationship, you're going to leave. And I think that's one of the most powerful things I've learned, like throughout my dating experience. Wow. That, yeah. What, what for you, like, um, you use that word trust a lot. Like, mm-hmm. is that, has that been like a pretty significant theme just for you personally? I think in myself, because like mm-hmm. for me, believability in myself and all that as like a younger person, it still stays with you throughout your whole life. But I think that was a big thing for me. And I've, you know, watched relationships fail. And I'm like, I don't ever want that. Like, I want to be like Liv said, like with your best friend, with somebody that like, it just feels really real and right. And now like looking back, I'm like, I definitely like crossed all my boundaries. I (laughs) didn't trust myself, obviously, because I just kept going through the motions. But Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was a huge learning curve for me. But I guess now that I'm talking to you guys about it, I guess that is a big thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, who would have thought? I guess. Yeah, now it's in life, <laughs> but I think you also have learned too. Sometimes, you know, you don't really, you, you haven't touched the surface of personal development and you start to, and you find yourself with someone that you're like, I don't know if I would have picked them if I knew what I knew now. And so it's like having having boundaries is going to come from first figuring out what you even want. Mm-hmm. And like, I just so happen to know like her history as well. And, you know, learning how to trust yourself. First, you have to ask yourself those hard questions of like, what is important to me and what are my boundaries before? Cause we don't know them and everybody's mm-hmm. is different. So first, like just figuring out what that would even be. Yeah. And this is just like a generic example, but I feel like a lot of times, like as we're like in our twenties and like, you're kind of figuring out your life and things like that. You're growing at such a rapid rate that when you meet someone, you just might outgrow someone or vice versa. And I think the importance to that is, is the person willing to grow with you? Because if not, then nothing's going to change. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. I, I think you're right on. It's it's the willingness piece. Mm-hmm. Cause like, and that's sad for those people who, who maybe don't have the tools to know how to want to self-motivate to grow alongside of someone like, you know, there's a lot of people who are ships in the night and they didn't expect more from their marriage. That's just the way things are. And maybe they wouldn't even know how to go within themselves to, 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 to describe the feeling they, the emptiness they feel. But I, I agree. I think it's just like you need to know that someone you're with is passionate about going in the same direction. Because, you know, for me, I guess, like I turned 30 and I've known I've been dating or in, in a committed relationship with my wife for almost 10 years. Wow. For me, it's like, you know, I know we're on a young podcast, like the 50 year old listens, like, let me tell you. <laughs> like, but like for me, like as someone who betrayed themselves at the top, at the front end, and then chose to stay in it and my wife as well, and then got married with a little, both of us feeling a little bit like we had experienced some of those feelings that we were all talking about of like, is this right? Like, why don't we feel like amazing about this? Mm. To do the work because we're so deep. We're so deep. And so for me, it's like, I, I, I have a lot of like, man, hurt and like in my heart for people who like, they've given it years. They've given this thing years and it's so messy or like they're in their thirties and they're like, I'm still single figuring this out. Like I waited it out and I'm not, I did, I did the waiting game and I found the, the full body. Yes. Person. And they effing suck. And, and so for me, my, my thing is, is like, you know, shout out to big Sean <laughs> and, and, you know, the grass is only green where you water it kind of idea. 
But like, it's like that direction. Like, do I have someone who's like in the same direction? Are the big categories absolutely checked? Do I feel like extremely excited about them as a person? And then when or if we experience major trauma or pain, that's the part where I think I've I've had to really learn and experience the, the great joy of coming out the other end. Because that is that is so tough. It's so hard to come out of deep trauma and betrayal. And, and to me, the one thing I'm, I'm understanding is we didn't have to. We didn't have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we came from, you know, ideologies that said, no, you did because of this belief system of what marriage is. But looking back, we didn't have to. We did. We made a choice to stay together and to do the work. And I think that's that's how I kind of view people who are in those longer term spaces of like deeper betrayal and trauma, where it's like everything's a choice and you can create whatever future you want, but you have to go there together. And you can you can drag someone along with you. And um, you know, yeah. And that yeah. And you kind of you opened this up perfectly because I was gonna ask, you seem very open about you and your wife's relationship. So correct me if I'm wrong, but um I'd love to just kind of hear like where you guys started and like how you got to where you are now. Okay. Yeah. I love these questions. I'm just like, it's just mind boggling to me. I've had this conversation with you. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh, so, ah, man. It's just like, it's sorry to throw this at you, but no, it's, 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 like, you can totally edit my like, nervous system reset that I have to have. <laughs> <laughs> nervous system reset. He's like, he's like, I'm calibrating. Give me a minute. I, know, I just get into it. I'm like, I know. I'm this good. for all the feelings of like, Oh, like, we're all drinking water. I can do that. Yeah, we can do it. Oh, well, if we're all drinking step. water, we need a step. <laughs> it's always right, better. When, like, the guest does it first. I know. <laughs> we did. <know. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, for me, I, I get like super into like when someone's like, "What are your thoughts?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna freaking go there." You know, I feel like <laughs> my life is like this. Well, you know, res- like I'm just kind of. So then, when someone's like, "I want to know what you think," I'm like, "Let me." You're like, "All right, story. we're getting there." You're, you're like, like, "Oh, I'll tell you." I'm my whole like, if you're, are you guys into Enneagram by chance or? Oh yeah. You you know okay do do you know it or familiar with it at all or like? Yeah yeah yeah. So like I I would be what's called the Enneagram one. So yeah. that's that's like my like thing, but I, I love the core message piece of it the most because that 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 really stuck out to me. Like, oh yeah, the, the perfectionist, right? Like trying to be good. That's like the core message I have. But anywho, to answer your question, <laughs> um, so I would say where we first started was, you know, I thought she was everything and more. She's like the best, like. Instagrammer that I know. She's like the most captivating, engaging storyteller. Like everybody and their mother wants to see what she's posting or what what she's thinking or feeling. And this is just, you know, my cute way of looking at my wife of like, I was just drawn. I was like, I'm addicted to you. I cannot stop stalking you. I I just can't get enough. So for me, it was kind of like, you had all these criteria. I was like, I got to go for it. I I message her. We go on a date. I'm the type of person who's like believed in really being clear because, you know, I thought that's, you know, women wanted so like 10 days 10 days into talking 10 days oh. i was like i just want to let you know like i'm being clear and i'm indicating that i'm interested in you and no joke her response is and i'm 20 21 she's 18 she's like so like does that mean i can't be dating people right now then <laughs> can't be dating other guys oh no well like if you hear my story earlier it's like my whole life was built around like giving this like grand, you know, that that was what I had built up in my head, right? Oh this. man. And so for me to like that, that was traumatic, right? Mm-hmm. And it sounds so trivial. Um, but at the time, you know, trauma isn't always measured by the severity, but by the surprise. Mm-hmm. And it shocked me because I never thought, I thought that she would, like, I thought we would be kind of cut from the same cloth. She'd be like thrilled and excited. And so for, to put me in the category of like these other suitors, I'm like, bro, I'm like better than these guys. Like that classic male ego, like, yeah, you can find a better guy than me. Like I was that guy. And so from there, it was like, I was rattled. I had no words. I couldn't talk to her. I just tried to, was trying to win her back. So for four months we dated, I had a breakup. I had to completely cut off because I was like, I can't even be this. I'm so turned around within my own head. 
I'm the train myself. Then, you know, we talk for another five or six months and pretty much act like a, like a boyfriend and girlfriend, do all the boyfriend girlfriend things without putting a title on it because titles are so scary, am I right? It's so much more than all the behavior we were doing that whole time. Yeah. And then we finally put a title on it. We date for two or three more years in this place where like, then we found out our humor wasn't really in alignment. And, and so then I was extremely insecure of like not being funny enough and all these other people from her life are funny. And then you know, I'm not this funny person. So then I'm trying to win her back. But then she's also trying to win me back because like I was all bitter that she didn't, wasn't that into me in the top, in the front. And so then it was like, we had all this like friendship that was there. We had all this connection that was there. We just deep unresolved pain for the entirety of our dating life. And then we decided to get married. And we got engaged in the middle of it. Oh yeah. And then for me, there was, I, you know, I, um, and this is something I, I, I will be, uh, I'll, I'll share more vague details here is like, I had opened up about some things like 30 days before we got engaged that were extremely traumatic to her. Like, wait, I didn't know this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Yeah, she was deeply traumatized. Like I watched, like I watched her, I watched my wife break in front of me. And in that, um, then from there, as we were engaged and, you know, we had a four month engagement, got married. I gaslit her for a couple years because there was things I just was like, I wasn't cheating, nothing like that, but just some behaviors that I had that felt like I was damaging all types of safety and security. I was so afraid of the punishment of the shame that I, I just, I gaslit her and further trauma. And um, so that was the beginning of marriage. Wow. First couple of years. And, and do you then, think you got married like to try to save what was going on? Like what were, what were your thoughts like back then? I think we just, it was one of those things where we knew we had all the things. We just had too much hurt. So it was like, we know we want this. Um, we know we want this. We know that you you are someone that I don't feel like I, I'm going to get or encounter again. It was like that. We both felt that way about each other. So that that's what made us kind of do it. But I think the marriage piece was just like, maybe if we have this safety, it's going to make this pain go away. Mm-hmm. maybe it was just that craving safety yeah. and also knowing like I want it to be this person no matter what mm-hmm. but also this does bring like a whole new level of safety maybe when you were feeling insecure about the things that you were being like oh I'm gaslighting because I don't want to show these sides of me that may upset her that may bring shame to me who knows absolutely yeah you're right on that's that's all we were longing for and that's why it's like the trauma of peace and relationships is huge for me because it's like we didn't have the language, the vocabulary, the tools, the, the community, the people, the process. And like, you know, it took us a couple of years to like kind of uh, I use that word deconstruct like what 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 happens. You know, I thank God for Instagram, like the holistic psychologist. Shout out to Dr. Nicola Pera. Oh, her- we love her. We love- and it's like seeing her posts were life changing. It's like someone saying like, Hey, it's a normal human thing to think someone else is attractive. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, it, like huh? Releases that like guilt that you have. You oh know? My gosh. Like we couldn't even talk about celebrity crushes because we were so like insecure. Yeah. You know, now I'm like, I'd give you a hall pass for Drake. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah, You're like he's the one. He's it's the one. fine. I would actually give you a high five. Like if he if he went out on a crowd and he picked you, I'd, I'd just give you a high five. I'd be like, I'm like, get it, like Tony, like like he chose you you know like we can do that now but yeah but we, we couldn't because we were just so insecure and that safety was lacking and and so it took a lot of like again vulnerability mm-hmm. it took a lot of like ex- acceptance of what is yeah like drew has this problem and that's that's been a huge thing and for me being like i have this problem and i i can't I, instead of seeing it like this problem that i hold judgment on myself where i had to learn to be like it's there whether i hold judgment for it or not Mm-hmm. So I just need to explore what, why, what, why, why this is happening. What, yeah. and so it's the moment I stop being like, okay, stop trying to make it like a signing letter wrong to it. That that's the biggest that that's my soapbox. With like in the relationship coach space, it's like assigning right or wrong. It it can, it's not bad, right? But what it can do is it, it creates arbitrary, like, like that 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 comes down to a couple to believe in. But but when something's wrong, it automatically that introduces shame. And then yeah. destroy your ability to connect with somebody else. Yeah. Yourself. 
So for me, it was like, I can't judge. I have to remove judgment. Like I say, I don't want this behavior. I, it's unhealthy because it's impairing intimacy. It, it creates effects in me that I don't like. And it affects someone in me that I don't like. So instead of judging it that it's wrong, I just hate the consequences of it. That's how I've chosen to kind of reframe some of that. I like it because you're yeah. improving the behavior. Like I just did a TikTok about like, instead of having like this visceral emotional reaction to a situation or thing about yourself or someone else, it's like, just try to find neutrality. Just try to find reasoning. Don't try to like blame yourself. Don't try to make it this great thing or this awful thing. Like sometimes neutrality is just so underrated, especially with this work where the biggest question I think is always why. It's not like, oh, th this thing came up, like it's bad and we need to fix it or change it. It's like, well, why did it come up in the beginning? Why did it come up here? But where did you learn it? Because this is probably not the first time you're experiencing it, maybe in this way, but not in general. It's probably a pattern that we've had for years and years and years. It's like, well, where did it come from? How did it protect me? Or how did it serve me at that time? And then also, like you said, how is it not serving me now where it's like, okay, this isn't really that helpful to my life. This isn't helpful to my relationship or the person I want to be. So it's like, how do I kind of create new habits and patterns around this thing so that we can have like better outcomes? I love that. I love that phrase that you use. Like, how is this serving me? Because I think that's what it is. It's like, we do things because they feel good. Mm -hmm. And then they have consequences that maybe we don't like. Yeah. And that's, it's just as simple as that. But I think, you know, there things get complicated and, and all this, but like, if we just, it's, and I think that's what it is. We don't want it to be what it is. And what it is, is I'm doing this because it felt good. Yeah. It brought me something. It brought me safety. It brought me what felt like love. And it's because I'm lacking love somewhere in me that I, I, I chose this thing to, to cope with and try to get it back. So how did you oh, and your wife like begin to turn it around? Like, I mean, I know you mentioned the holistic psychologist. We love mm -hmm. her. We're going to have her on for sure. But, um, you know, how did you guys begin that turnaround? I mean, it, it's, it, the pain got so, so bad. Like, you know, pain's an excellent motivator of change, right? You're walking on the hot pavement and it's too hot. You need to jump to the grass. So like, yeah. it was, pain was good and it, it made us go, okay, we need to, we need help. So, so yeah, I think it was, um, I would say weirdly it was it was seeing that we weren't alone for sure having other people go through similar situations and realizing that like okay we're not alone i think having some some again having some really late night conversations and admissions of like i'm doing this or this is happening and this is real and true confessing the truth accepting the reality all those things it was just time it was time it was time it was vulnerable conversations over time and then i would say a major catalyst of really kind of was was a couple years ago when we found out we were pregnant that's when it was like we had done a lot of healing up until that point but but when we found out we were pregnant we're like okay if we can't respond rationally to each other as grown adults we won't respond rationally to a immature child yeah and so we chose to go to therapy uh, individually actually i i needed that i needed to know that I could share things that didn't have consequences or wouldn't trigger her or damage her. Yeah. Yeah. We could do the same. And so I actually elected to go a one-on-one -on -one route and I, I subscribe fully if that's how you feel is going to help you. Some people need to do it together. Um, so I did one-on-one -on -one and, and from there it was like, just like, yeah, tracing it back to childhood with my, with Kevin, my therapist. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin showed up for you. Kevin you needed him. Kevin is. You know how Kevin does. Uh. And um, <laughs> Yeah, it was, and it was just learning for me. I think the, the biggest realization, I think, for me, because, again, like, in, in the therapy, in the mental health space, like, we just do things for love, safety, and belonging, and inner peace. Mm -hmm. And then it's emotionally realizing that. Emotionally re realizing where it connects with your story and then re-experiencing re that. Not having to re-experience the pain just to do it, but to, to meet it. To meet it again and, and just realize, like, whoa, that's in there. I still feel that rejection. I still feel that hurt. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it was feeling like I didn't matter. Mm -hmm. so I, I think that's that was my message. I didn't matter, and I and I heard the message I was doing, and so then all these things come with marriage, and I believe that was bad. So that's that that's what we're confronted. It's not that I was bad as a kid; I was good as a kid. And this is what was hurting. I was no longer good. 
Mm-hmm. My, my, my worthiness of receiving love no longer, no longer was there. It was revoked. And then the, I didn't matter. Um, and so I needed, I needed things in my life to make me feel like I, I mattered. Mm-hmm. And I was going to be seen in, or irresist, or I was going to be irresistible, right? Like mm-hmm. that was, that was another word I uncovered that was held a lot of deep emotional weight and came after lots of processing. I need to be irresistible because that would say I matter to people. Really? That's an interesting one. Yeah. Oh, that, 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 yeah, that hit you, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that just like anything else, anything that we experience, yeah. we're definitely not the first and we're definitely not the last. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't hear that. The way that you said it, no. I haven't heard that as much. And I do think that a lot of people probably would relate on some level. Yeah. Yeah. I needed it. Yeah, I, what I felt like I needed is I was too afraid to ask for my needs mm-hmm. or just my whole life um, because I, you know, already was feeling like disconnected from myself and just from, you know, life and my family unit. And in there, it was like I used a performance of goodness to, to achieve love. So the irresistible piece was I'm too afraid to ask, so I need to earn it. So I need to be irresistible to people to draw them unto me to fulfill something I'm too afraid to ask for. Damn. Yeah. Well, that's how that happened. That's awesome though. I mean, it's impactful to see that you guys had such a long relationship. You went through the rocks together, but you were able to come out on top together, which is so beautiful. Yeah. And it's, and, and that's, what's like, what's so rewarding now is like, even like last night we had like some, you know, really chewy challenging marriage conversation stuff. Um, but what's so cool is, is like, we don't get as, we don't get really as activated, right? And our nervous system start flaring all over the place. Our amygdala yeah. isn't hijacking our brain. Like we're just able to like relax and like talk about things and, and be more cordial. And like, it just, it's like, it's crazy what you do with your time when you're not consumed with wounds. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. The conversations you're able to have, the things you're able to discuss when you're not worried about offending someone else. Yeah. Like the replacement of joy. It's not that you like sit around like, living in this intense world of oh there's some great emotion and oh my gosh i just the roses are red and i just used all oh, like like we don't walk around in year 10 like that mm-hmm. you walk around with such an emptiness of like wow i don't feel like i'm clogged with all this poison i've been drinking because that's what you're doing you're you're drink you're drinking poison thinking it's going to get you love safety and belonging through all these other coping techniques when like you just needed to be vulnerable right like mm-hmm. like Last night I'm sitting across from my wife and I'm like in my avoidant attachment style, like still doing stuff, like not making eye contact, and I and I just go, I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad and I just in a minute I want to hug. You know, like yeah. like I, I still like I just I don't want to hug now and I don't want you to look at me. <laughs> like like that's but I'm like it's it's a it's what we what we do is we develop a vocabulary of, of like hey. but- isn't it cool to watch how like your communication changed though? Like there's no, I'm sure there's like less raising voice. It's more of a conversation. And I think that's the best thing, you know, to get to that point. Yeah. We don't, yeah. Life is hard enough without two people who chose to be with each other, yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just we don't, don't want to. And it's so funny because at the end of the day, it's literally just honesty. Mm-hmm. Like if you're lying about who you are or what you need, you're not, you're not being honest. Like, it sounds silly because in any other area of our lives, like it's either the truth or it's a lie. You're either being honest or you're not. And when it comes to relationships, it's like you're keeping all these feelings and all these beliefs to yourself. And it's like you never share that. You're not being fully honest with yourself or this other person that you chose. Yeah. And then they can't love that part of you. Yeah. They're only going to love what you show them. You give them this much, they'll only love this much, but like really who you are is all of this. And mm-hmm. so it's like, well, I don't feel loved by you. Like, yeah, because you're not even being honest about how you feel. Mm-hmm. You're not even able to be honest of like, hey, I don't feel loved by you. Like, yeah. And you like rob each one of you of that, you know, by not being vulnerable. Yeah. And it's, and it's again, it's like, we all do this in some level. And I think that's like my heart is like, man, can we just all have a little bit of compassion for ourselves? As you yeah. both so eloquently said, nobody taught us this stuff. Mm-hmm. And our parents sure as heck didn't have Nicola Perez heaters <laughs> every day to look at the way that we do and have it transform our minds. Like, man, it's just like once I think that's the word for me, it's just a compassion, just like allowing us to all forgive ourselves and our parents for not knowing any better. And, a lot of feeling to be having that. So you guys are going with that. I love that. 
I think so too, though. I think you're so right. We've talked so much about guilt and shame and, you know, having that compassion for other people actually starts with ourselves being compassionate for the things that we've done wrong or the things that we didn't know or would have done differently if we knew better. It's like, you know, you only had the tools that you had and you only knew then what you knew then. Like now you're a different person. You've learned, you've changed, you've developed skills. Like you're going to be better going forward, but don't hold yourself to that standard that you did before. It's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I, yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. I don't have any words there. That was just really good. <laughs> like, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Well, we just want to say thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Like you were literally amazing and we love your TikToks oh, and we love your work. Too. And so we're good. so excited for this okay. to, to air. Oh my gosh. It, thank you. It, uh, this is super special. And obviously I, I look forward to, to hanging out more and I look forward to, to blowing each other, all of our comment sections up with just fire emojis and, and, and the good comments, the, the good, good types of comments, you know. This, this is fire. Oh my gosh, you know. Yeah. I, I look forward to interrupting with all of us. I love it. Thanks for having me on. I, I, You're a breath of fresh air. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dre. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have you heard? Because we did. And we can't keep it on the DL. <laughs>